Welcome to the future of NFTs, brought to you by Adlunum, the first engaged to earn proof of attention IDO launchpad. Hosted by co-founder Natya Vester, we bring you exclusive insights on NFTs, the revolutionary digital technology that's transforming the world as we know it. All right, so I see we've got a couple more people in the house, so let's get started. If you are just joining us, greetings of the day, dear Web three ones. Unfortunately, because 2022 was the come down nightmare that, yeah, to crown all years that we've had in this space, uh, the past weeks uh, or days, at least, the past days were even more of a nightmare. This uh, FTX fallout has completely shaken the industry in a way that's very difficult to describe because so much of what we are doing in Web3 is built on ecosystem trust. And yeah, when a company that's been placed on a pedestal turns out to be a bad apple, it is a painful thing to swallow. So uh, from us here at the Adlunum team, our sincerest hopes that you were not personally affected by the situation. Although, of course, chances are that many people have due to the magnitude of the reach that FTX and all of its affiliated companies have had across the space. So as a team, I just want to recommit publicly that we are as committed as ever to building a company and a platform that stays true to our company and our individual values, which is to democratize Web3 investing. So guys, wag me, even though the past few days and the continuously falling market prices have made most of us in the industry feel pretty damn bleak. But Adlunum wholeheartedly believes in the crucial importance of self-education, which is why we are bringing you shows such as these to provide insider perspectives into the world of Web3. And let's face it, there's a lot of perspectives in this industry, so got to listen to them all. So on a much happier note, uh, if you tuned into last week's episode of Diving Into Crypto with Michael Smorenberg, the author of the book In Code We Trust, I have a very yay announcement. Adlunum will soon be launching an exciting YouTube series where Michael will be offering our community a crash course in the fundamentals of money and crypto, just, you know, that basic Web3 education that I think sometimes when we are caught up in the hype, we don't always remember about the fundamentals because we sincerely and wholeheartedly believe that it's only when the industry as a whole puts knowledge before hype that we are going to be able to spot bad actors a mile off. So enough of the heavy talk. Let's get into a very cool topic today with today's guests. Have some fun talking about games. So hey, Web3 World, this is Nadja Besse from Adlunum. And you are listening to The Future of NFTs, the show that looks beyond current NFT use cases and dives into what non-fungible token technology is evolving into. All this as seen through the eyes and built by the fascinating minds of the amazing guest speakers that we are lucky enough to speak to each week. Adlunum is the only IDEO launchpad that rewards attention with allocation our Engage to Earn platform features dynamic NFT investor profiles, NFT allocation fractionalization, and our very cool one-of-a-kind proof-of-attention allocation mechanism. So set your clocks for the future of NFTs live on Twitter Spaces every Tuesday 
and subscribe to us via podcast for those episodes you are not able to catch live. Of course, our sister show, Diving Into Crypto, is every bit as exciting as this one, and that is live every Thursday, same time, same place. So do join us for both shows as we speak to thought leaders and change makers in this very cool, but sometimes very stressful, game-changing industry. Now, today's topic, one thing is very clear. The Adlunum community loves games. After we had a chat a couple of weeks ago with GameStarter, many of you reached out asking that we do a feature on play and earn games. So I'm very excited today to bring you just that. We are joined today by Lance Tan, Business Development Manager at Kuakuma, which is a play and earn MMO ARPG that's short for Massive Multiplayer Online Action Role Playing Game. So join us this hour as we dig into how Kuakuma is using NFTs to power the ecosystem and more thoughts on the future of play and earn games in the GameFi space. Of course, if you have questions, as I'm sure you might, put in your speaker request during Q&A at the end of the hour, or you can always DM your question at any time throughout the show to the Adlunum Twitter handle at AdlunumINC. So with that, Lance, welcome once again. We are dialing in from opposite ends of the earth and not going to say I just woke up, but yeah, I don't have as much mileage on my clock today as you have. So thank you once again for tuning in so late in your day. I know that you are passionate about bridging the gap between Web 2 and Web 3. So I'm really looking forward to kickstarting our discussion on all things GameFi, NFTs, play and earn, and of course, how Kuakuma is contributing to this evolution of, you know, this little corner of Web3 and gaming. But let's start with the easy stuff and get to know you a little bit better. So tell us, what is your background and how did you get into Web3? Yeah, hi, Nadja. Um, thank you. Thank you so much again for having me here, uh, for having Kuakuma on the show. And I would like to also thank everyone who tuned in uh, for their time and for listening. So for me, I've been in sales and marketing for over six years now. And I've worked mostly with startups and small to medium-sized businesses in the entirety of my career, uh, from tourism, healthcare, publishing, construction, you name it, even digital marketing agencies. And uh, basically now I'm in Web3, and I think one of the, the things that got me is that Web3, a basic blockchain, can achieve with you know what we have right now, not just in gaming, but you know in finance and everything uh, else. Um, and when I'm you know when I'm not working, I'm I'm an active guy. I, I like to work out at the gym. I also cycle. Uh, I like I love running. I'm actually preparing for a marathon upcoming this January. Uh, so have a very strict regimen I'm following. But uh, I'm really passionate about learning new things. I think that's what makes me think. Um, and not, not just in, you know, learning more about what Web3 is, what GameFi is, and what, what its effect is, not just, you know, in the gaming industry, but, you know, as a whole, for humanity later on, what we can achieve with, you know, the tech currently. And, um, yeah, I think that's basically an overview about what makes me tick and what I am. As a, as a person, not just you know, work outside of work. 
I'm going to go into my second part of the question that I wanted to know. So in terms of NFTs and, you know, the Web3 space, there are so many people who are for this industry and this technology, and there are so many people who are against it. Now, I'm going to assume, because we are both in this industry on the show today talking about this stuff, that you are for it rather than against it. So tell me, when did the light bulb go on for you that NFTs and Web3 is a force to be reckoned with? Yeah, I think I, I, I have to also tell you that at first, I honestly, I wasn't a believer with, with, with this blockchain and NFT thing. I, I just recently got in um, back in 2019, just uh, about a year when Axie was introduced here in the Philippines back in March 2018. Um, you know, gain popularity and in fact some people are already using it as you know means for a living and that's where I did my research I studied what made this you know imagine playing a game or being a gamer and that doing what you love is actually bringing in some income for you you're earning from it so you know you're spending thousands of hours but you know um, at the same time you're able to monetize that so that's you know that's something innovative that, that, that people are doing right now. And to think that if you had to go back with, let's say, uh, games like World of Warcraft, Diablo, people spending tens and thousands of dollars, but not not being able to actually earn from it. They're just spending for the sake because they're enjoying the game. So I think there's some, you know, the fact that people can now monetize that and actually have some bragging rights and proof of ownership, that's, that, you know, that says something. That's, I think that got the ball rolling for me back uh, in 2019. Ever since then, I think, I think I would say, ironically, the pandemic was sort of like a blessing in disguise that gave the world a pause and maybe reassess. You know, people started accepting that remote work was possible. Companies started adapting. You know, um, a hybrid workforce. So you know, lots of possibilities open up when people didn't get the chance to actually go to work physically and I think that's something that Web3 can also offer um, you mentioned also bridging the gap between Web2 and Web3 uh, the Web3 space so I think that curiosity um, I think made me ask more questions just about like not just how things are being run in the blockchain but like how can this be incorporated in gaming what does NFTs have to play you know in this role of of, of gaming is it just limited to equipment what are the different utilities um i would just like also to mention like some ideas that are coming up with let's say gab laden with the free mints digidakus you have that you know people are just coming up with different innovative ideas and it's i think time will only tell what strategies what what methods will actually last or stand the test of time not, not just the volatility of the markets but like you have Axie, for example, you know, it, it was one of the best games. Then the fall and rise of Axie, it's still it's still there. It's not as big as it was. It's trying to remain relevant. And I think that's something that games will have to figure out as they continue to build right now. I think it's a building phase for for a lot of games in this, you know, in this space. And you'll you'll basically notice the real ones. So, you know, the, the, this type of market right now weeds out those uh, rug pulls or those games who are just in it to, to just earn and you know get money you really see the quality games 
you know, who's gonna stand the test of time. So I think that's that's basically what flipped the switch for me. And I, ever since then, I basically dipped my entire self into the world of NFTs and you know, blockchain, crypto, you name it. Amen to that. I wanted to comment, Lance, and say that in the end, everyone gets turned. It doesn't matter how long you take to go from hating this to loving this, but in the end, people will turn because this inevitably is the future. And I was thinking while you were speaking, two really important things that you said that highlighted itself in my brain. First of all, you know, your talk about being a curious person But curiosity is this amazing thing because curiosity is what leads to innovation. The more you ask yourself, what is out there? What is it that I don't know? What is it that I'm missing about this? The more you immerse yourself in the question, I mean, you develop the answers by proxy. It's not possible to be curious and not at some point become innovative. That's the beauty of being curious, but especially in the space, because In the Web3 industry, there are so many possibilities to be innovative because we are really figuring this out as we go along. Unfortunately, sometimes not in a very good way, as we've seen the last few days, but for those good actors. And, you know, I think this is the beauty, especially in this current market, because as you say, at the moment, the bad actors are being weeded out because there's no big money flowing. There's no hype. There's no people rushing and you know wanting to get into whatever it is you're doing so projects that at the moment continue to build even though you are not getting those dopamine hits you are not getting the big audiences and everyone wants to get in and it's not there right now so if you have the commitment and the passion to stay and build now that really says something because we all know as soon as the bull market comes back whenever that's going to be We are going to see the next feeding frenzy. You know, it's like in the ocean where the sharks all come out when there's, I don't know, a sardine run, for instance. And suddenly sharks come from everywhere across the ocean and whales come, you know, open their big mouths and in they go. And But those little fish in the Web3 space who stay in the ocean and keep on building, yeah, shout out to all of us and so happy to have Kukuama. Kuakuma. I knew I was going to mispronounce it at some point. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. <laughs> that, was the, that was the one time that I was going to say it wrong, and now it will not happen again. <laughs> so, Lance, I want to get into Kuakuma a bit. As a play and earn game, you feature in the game immersive combat mechanics, a graphics-intensive metaverse, randomized dungeons and skills combination system. Now, I know what all of that means, But I myself am not a gamer. So tell me about the magic that makes Kuakuma what it is. Sure. So I, I think we have to go back to where it all started. I just want to go back in 2020. So initially, Kuakuma actually just started out as a roguelike genre. So this is something similar to games like Hades. And it was not actually a Web3 game. It was just a Web2 game, and uh, Karasu, together with his developer friends, they all actually have been developing AAA games. Um, if you're familiar with NetEase and Tencent, uh, they've worked with them in developing lots of games, not just in the uh, MMORPG genres, but also with other genres as well. So um, I think with their background 
I am very bullish with Coacuma. But you know, going back to that mechanism wherein wherein they decided to iterate on the initial build of Coacuma, that's when they decided to implement the play and earn model with the new era of you know games coming in. Um, you know, sometimes it's also you know what they say about timing. And unfortunately for us, you know, it was with, with, with the market, we can never really tell. And, you know, even with this FTX thing, so I just want to segue a bit there. You just never know what happens in crypto, right? This, this FTX thing just happened in just within a week from, you know, $14 billion just being wiped out completely. And, you know, it's, it's a sad thing, but, you know, we, we just got to keep building. You know, um, I, I would say it's not false hope. As long as there is action in it, and like these meaningful relations that we we are creating right now, um, especially you know, thank you for this opportunity that uh, you're you're giving us actually to speak uh, and you know just informing people about um, the project that we're building and people to try it out actually. So for for those of you who are not aware, we're actually currently in our. Uh, closed beta version 2 testing of the game and it's actually available on the Elixir app one of our partners so you can go ahead and check out the game there and um, ever since then actually the developers Karasu was inspired with Jablo World of Warcraft um, Lost Art if some of you are familiar with these names the these inspired them to create Koakuma uh, the artwork of Koakuma is I would say a bit kind of similar to gigantic but there are also some of the mechanics like the skill and system that is a um real inspiration from lost ark with their combat mechanics so each game that they actually experience is basically an amalgamation of of what koakuma is right now and we're just trying to piece these things together with the feedback from the community and i think that's also one thing that i would like to mention that community we are very community focused and without the community i don't think we would be where we are right now um, especially the feedback that we are getting as we are building the game we are very open to hear your feedback we actually encourage you to try the beta test so that we will know what we can add you know um, sometimes the community has a lot of crazy ideas and we could even implement that within the storyline of koakuma and i think yeah from, from then on Basically, Koakuma grew as it is within this year alone. Um, back in March, actually, um, we we were initially about to do our IDO, but there have been, you know, we have delayed that with, with the roadmaps. But I think I would say it's a blessing in disguise with the help of, of Polka Starter and CDFI right now, which, you know, we, who we've been incubated with. Um, I think we have been making a lot of headway and we are actually looking to release... Um, the next beta version of our game. So I think we are all on track. Hopefully next year during the first quarter, you'll be able to test out the newer version with more features involved. Um, and so, as you mentioned, our, our strengths, number one is the graphics-intensive metaverse and the immersive combat mechanics. Number two, we have the skill rune system. So this skill rune system is actually in line with not just only the player versus environment, but with the player versus player, which we are hoping to build on later, which will involve esports. So this is more on the competitive uh, competitive side of gaming, and PVE is more on like you know players who just want to farm, who just want to grind, trade, flip items, create you know uh, farm materials, then sell them on the marketplace, 
you know, we cater to different types of players and we also hope to achieve that with different characters that Kuma will be releasing. For the current version, we only have Green, who's a warrior, who's more of, you know, um, a melee type. So close range combat. Later on, hopefully we can release a female uh, character, which is Evike. She's an archer. So hopefully that will also appeal to a different type of players uh, for the MMO genre. And so, yeah, I think that's that's basically it to, to tackle on from the, the inception of Kowakuma all, all the way down to where it is currently right now. Yeah, Lance, I think, yeah, I just first want to comment on how amazing it is to witness this collaborative building approach in Web3 as a whole. I mean, as an example, as I said earlier, our audience asked, they want to know more about play and earn, and we were immediately able to action on this and get you guys on the show as soon as possible. And this is an amazing privilege to be able to build a product for an audience by actively having the audience involved. And I think so much more in gaming because there's no point to building a game that no one's going to play. So why wait until the end and see if people are going to be interested? I love what you said about the community having these crazy ideas because it really just highlights how much, especially in Web3, we believe in doing things, building things together, as opposed to doing it in silo where, you know, this traditional top-down approach of I'm working on something cool and you'll see it at the end. So, yeah, it's it's really awesome to just, again, listen to this approach in action. Um, and I think we see the results as well because the difference between a traditional gaming company where there's this anticipation as the developers work behind the scenes but no one really knows what's going on versus in GameFi, the community is with you every step of the way. And just also wanted to comment on this idea of delaying the idea of being a blessing in disguise. I know for many, especially retail investors in the industry, um, you know, waiting for an idea. And then when push comes to shove in 2020, so many projects have delayed the idea. But what is so beautiful about this, and speaking here as a project ourselves, all of the opportunities that we now have to continue building out the product, because it really is my prediction that when the bull market comes back, retail investors and even institutional investors are not going to accept as easily anymore the idea of what you're building. They are going to want to see what has been built And the closer you are at the time of IDO to a complete finalized launch product, the better position you're going to be in. So on that note, since we are talking about Kuakuma on the Future of NFT shows today, tell me what is unique to your approach in terms of creating uh, NFTs? Because I know you have NFT characters that are part of the game. Yes, so... Actually, we have not quite worked out the entire NFT NFT plan, but for Kookuma, we are looking at almost all in-game items as NFTs. So from weapons down to equipment, and of course, we have the skill runes and materials, including fossils, such as uh, also cosmetics, which include skins, special effects, and animations. But I want to talk more about the skill runes here, which is one of the things that is being highlighted right now in our current closed beta testing uh, version 2. The skill runes basically will allow players to have 
uh, I think, creative ideas and ways to actually combine them with their current skills and come up with new skills. And let's say, for example, a mage could have a fireball and that fireball will be combined with a specific skill rune. That skill rune will actually create a new fireball. Maybe it could be a split fireball. It could be an area of effect fireball. And this actually would play, uh, I think, a more vital role with, let's say, raiding dungeons. So if you're facing probably tons of monsters, it has an area of effect. So I think you'd clear the dungeon faster. Um, and big waves of monsters at a single time or in pvp which would be let's say more of if you're going to be looking for a specific rune that would stun uh opponents or you know silence them which would give you a competitive advantage when you're doing one one versus one or even three versus three um pvp battles so i think that's for now that's what i can say about the nfts especially for skill runes as this is something that you guys can actually test out in the current beta test of Kowakuma. But for other things, I think um, what would be also one of the things that we're currently building on would be the guild system. And this would involve a special type of NFT, which is what we call a Lord Mask NFT. So this uh, Lord Mask NFT is actually, it gives the owner whoever purchases that NFT, but it's mainly designed for guilds. So since we're at the medieval fantasy setting, that the owner or the the person who owns that NFT will be considered the lord or the ruler over over that piece of land. So say, for example, we have YGG, we have Pokestarter Gaming Guild, we have Avocado Guild. So each guild will have their own land and a lord to rule over them and residents will be taxed under that land. And so players can actually freely join any guild similar to traditional games. But the only differing factor there will be the fact that lords will rule over them. There will be taxes, technology, and large-scale missions involved. So there will be tournaments later on, which will be more seasonal. So it's going to be, let's say, for example, YGG versus Avocado Guild. And there will also be NFT rewards as well. Um, we're still coming up with new ways to, to add utility to the different NFTs. One is the current NFT sale with uh, Ultra. So Ultra is a similar platform, a gaming distribution platform similar to Steam. And we're, we have an ongoing NFT sale with Ultra right now with different NFT use cases with them. So you can go ahead and check out Medium for more on um, what specific NFTs you'd like to be getting. So there are um, different brackets from Rare all the way up to Legendary, which have different use cases also as well. So each NFT that we will be doing with Kowakuma will have you know different um, benefits, different utilities. And I would like to also mention the INO we had back in September. So that was also a different set of NFTs. We will be releasing NFTs more on a batch uh, per batch basis. So the NFTs that were released back in September were more on the equipment. And the NFTs that we are having with Ultra is also uh, a different set of NFTs. We have the... Um, Chromurai monster, um, hero NFT monsters. We also have access passes as well, which is also a different uh, type of NFT. And we are also planning to have another NFT sale. We don't have a specific date for that yet, but it should be uh, with skill runes right now. So the next batches will be skill runes. So 
this is sort of like a teaser. So for people that are actually tuning into this space right now, you already have early information on what we're about to do with in, when it comes to NFTs. So I hope that gives you an edge. But that's basically it for now. What I can say about um, our plan for NFTs or what, what our unique approach is for Kohokuma. Sounds very exciting. I have to say, I'm not generally a big fan of the feudal system, but after hearing about this Lord Mask NFT, I have to ask, where can I sign up and get one? But uh, Lance, does this mean that the guild will the, will then share the NFT um, if these NFTs are issued uh, to guilds? Yeah, that's actually a good question, but that NFT is actually transferable. So whoever purchases it most likely would be the guild master or a high-ranking uh, guild member. So it should be more of the the manager or whoever uh, is interested with that specific NFT. So this NFT will initially be offered to guilds. We don't just offer it to anyone. And the prices for these NFTs are, are completely different from the regular NFTs that we offer. From what I was aware last time with the prices for just one Lord Mask NFT, it should be around $10,000, but I don't know the updated amount for that with the current market conditions right now. Um, but I can't really say for sure what what the definite plans are for that as it's something that we haven't quite worked out yet. Um, we are continuing to build and partner with guilds right now. So that is one, one of the things that's in our pipeline. Um, the main objective right now is to focus on the game development because I think once we more more or less smoothen out the product um you know if people see a, a a good quality game i think the rest should follow and that's what we're hoping to achieve here with kokuma um and hopefully we you know we get the support with the community and you, you guys can see that with especially when you try out the current beta test that we have Awesome. Yes, absolutely. As I said, I am not a gamer, so I am probably not going to be the best person to explore this, but I am very, very keen just to understand what it is that you are actually building. So I might just go take a look. Uh, my son will have to teach me how to sign up uh, for a game in the first place because I last played Sims. So Lance, mm -hmm. tell me, why are NFTs such a good fit for gaming? And also, I would like to know if you have some examples of the innovation that different projects are doing in the GameFi space to incorporate NFTs. Um, because I think it's so important, as you said earlier, it's very, very important for games to continue to stay relevant. And especially in the space where things move so extremely fast. You mentioned earlier that the example of Axie. I mean, Axie was the darling of the gaming world and also of the Web3 world. But we see how quickly the wind changes and the tide turns. So in this context of, you know, GameFi projects really having to stay at the sort of, you know, being the forerunners, what is the next series of innovations going to be? Do you have some examples, uh, maybe from Kuakuma, maybe from other GameFi projects where NFTs are used in a way that really promotes gaming um i mean we know we talk often about why nfts are such a good fit for gaming assets because they are transferable you've mentioned world of warcraft a few times and i mean of course uh for for those of us who know i think uh, pretty much everyone in the industry knows that uh the founder of ethereum world of warcraft was his inspiration to create ethereum 
So there's always been a very mm-hmm. close link between games and Web3. But in terms specifically of NFTs, why are NFTs such a good fit for gaming? Perhaps beyond just the idea of assets, of in-game assets. Mm-hmm. That's that's actually a very interesting question, and I think there's no one answer that that could actually, you know, fit the question. Because for what I think right now, not just with NFTs, but if we're just talking about games here in the Web three space, uh, one I think attention that that game gaming projects would have to consider first is. Uh, you know, you mentioned about bridging the gap between Web two and the Web three space, and for for games to actually have that effect with you know you know NFTs in the first place and what it what you know its relation with the game is, I think it's education that's very key. And what I mean by that is, so you know, when when you're onboarding people, when you're talking about your game, how are you going to market that? to to people out there because i think what what mistake that i see quite often here in the space is that projects are getting web3 influencers and i'm not against that but i don't see the point that if you're trying to target a, the web2 audience you know which does not have any knowledge about crypto in the first place why should you get a, a KOL or an influencer that's in the web3 scene when all they're going to be talking about is just, you know, the game, but they're not really going to, you know, dissect it or, or show what potential this Web3 game has in the Web2 space that the Web2 people will get converted. And, you know, because what they try to do is maybe I think in a sense that they're just trying to sell the monetization aspect where they can earn a quick buck, they can earn this X amount of money and in a week, in a day, in a month, like that. So I think that's what's, what's bringing in most of the gamers, but it's not something that's really a sustainable model. So I think education would be the number one step. And that would lead into the second one, which I mentioned is onboarding. So as you, as soon as the onboarding process is smoothened, and what I mean by that is if a Web2 gamer, like let's say, for example, yourself, you mentioned you're not really familiar with you know how to sign up, how to start playing the game, you know, there's also the the thing that you have to consider about connecting the MetaWask wallet. These are roadblocks for Web2 people or people who are not aware about blockchain in the first place. So as soon as games actually cater to that those challenges challenges, and once they're you know smooth in that process, I think the the um, turnaround or basically people who are actually coming in from the Web2 space to Web3 is going to be much bigger, and they're not going to have a problem about even like probably I think the next step would be coming up with a utility that would fit the type of game that they have because it could differ. Um, so for an MMO, I think for, for an MMO genre, for, for Kokuma, since that's, that's our genre, I think it's, I would say, I, I might be biased, but I think it fits perfectly with NFTs because there's just so much uh, equipment, there's so much things going on in the MMO world, and we are an open world. It's a vast world. Players have a lot to, to use. And when it comes to NFTs, there's a, a ton of use cases and utilities that can be placed on each NFT. And I think that's something that games can work on, not just to entice players, but to keep them you know, playing the games. And, you know, there's this uh, cycle of gamers. That's why uh, I'm with the Web2 gaming scene 
there's always gonna be sort of like a seasonal thing for gamers, right? It's not all the time that they're gonna be into MMOs. They they might look for a different type of genre of, of game. They might play that for a while, then go back to to to, to an MMO game. So it's it, it's season also, and I think that's when you look closely to the data and the statistics, um, players will switch from one game to another, but they will still always be loyal to whatever game they choose, uh, you know, to spend on or to dedicate their hours playing on, right? Um, I just want to also point out Diablo Immortal. Um, I think there was a news back in June or July, just when it was released. Uh, uh, one gamer spent, I think, around $100,000 just to max out his character. I mean, that's that's crazy for a game that's not even in the Web3 space. So how much more if they were to actually create a game of that caliber and quality and bring it into the web3 space add the nft aspects utilities you know whatnot i there's there's you know a, a ton of possibilities and i think we can see that like i mentioned with digidakus um mobox i think i'm not really familiar with how they are implementing the nfts but it's also i think one of the games that stood out blancos um I think it's more on a preference, I would say. So how are the NFTs being used? I'm I'm also, I, I get attracted to skins, uh, special effects. I, I'm a League of Legends player. So, you know, some people might be into like cute stuff. Other people might be, want, want to buy a skin because it looks cool. It changes the special effects of uh, maybe a skill. So these are things that, that can be incorporated with NFTs. So um, I think that's what Web2 games are also trying to see if that can be placed into their game. But I think they're also too afraid to take the risk with all the volatility that's going on in the Web3 space. But um, there is potential. I mean, um, the fact that we have big companies like PayPal, we have MasterCard, we have Visa going into, you know, crypto. It's, you know, there there is something. It's just, it, it takes time and it takes a lot of, I would say trial and error as well. So, um, you know, we got to work together. Awesome. And say hello to your dog for me. What's his name? Oh, you heard that. Um, of course, I, my ears are pink for dogs and cats, so I will always hear them. I've got like supersonic mm-hmm. hearing when it comes to animals. What, what they, is it, a he or she? She, three, three Labradors. Um, Lizo. Oh, my goodness. Second was Bailey and third is Snickers. Three labs, wow, so one you are getting shipu. all the love. Labradors are so, so loving. So, yeah, you got to love life, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a good thing they're not, they're not noisy right now. I, I was hoping they wouldn't bark. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you were mentioning earlier about how we are all just accepting now of remote work. But I think if COVID taught us anything is that real people have real lives and there are babies crying in the background and doors being shut and cooking being done and dogs barking. And that's just all <laughs> part of life. So, <laughs> so yes. I want to throw you a quick curveball. If someone were to ask me this question, probably not about games because then my answer would be easy. But if someone had to ask me this about music or books, I don't know what I would say. What is your favorite game of all time? Since I, you are an encyclopedia of different games, so what is your favorite game? That's a, that's a very good question, actually. Um, if I had to pick one, I would say World of Warcraft because it, it was in 
during my childhood and um, I think I stopped playing it because you know we reach a point that we mature and there's just you know games go through like updates as well so there are new patches there are just new versions of that game coming out um, I think the last version I played of uh, World of Warcraft was during the time of the Burning Crusade and this was before Wrath of the Lich King was out and I just thought back then that um, it was just not as good as what Burning Crusade is. So I think I stopped since then. And I think I can say the same actually for Dota 2. I I wouldn't say that it's bad at the current standing for Dota 2. You know, esports is really big right now. But it's just that if you would compare it to League of Legends, I'm, I'm sure that I'm going to get a lot of hate if, if people are like, you know, in the audience who are listening who are League of Legends fans or Dota fans. I was a Dota player before, before Dota 2 came in. It's just that there's, there's so much going on in Dota 2. So let's just say I'm a novice, I'm a beginner, I want to start playing Dota 2. There's just so much barriers, there's so many things I have to learn. Whereas I'd say the, the, the barrier to entry for League of Legends is so simple that anyone, almost anyone can play it. And I think if you would even look at the socials, just the storyline, the, the content that is being created for League of Legends, it's quite different with Dota 2, I would say they have more of a fan base, a user base. There's even this uh, Star Guardian storyline that they're developing with Riot. So I think it's also different. I'm not hating on Dota 2. I love Dota 2. Uh, it's just different with League of Legends. So I'm just drawing a comparison there. <laughs> but yeah, World of Warcraft. All right. Well, I happen to know that one. So I'm giving myself a pat on the shoulder for knowing what you're talking about. So, Lance, speaking of, you know, this whole idea of first it was play to earn and now the GameFi industry has changed its self-identity from play to earn to play and, and earn. So why is this and what implications does this change in identity have for the future of gaming in the space? Because as we know with Axie Infinity, there was a lot of talk about, you know, the long-term unsustainability, for example, of the tokenomics. So what is the implications for the industry going forward? Because I think you said earlier something that's very, very important uh, to touch on, this idea that many, many people sell only the monetization aspect. So we are all talking about the hype and the gains and what you, know, what you can get out of it. Now, the beauty of Web3 is there's this inherent respect for who people are and what they have. What I mean by this, you said earlier, if you are spending thousands of dollars on your game, why do it in Web 2 when you can do it in Web 3? If you're spending endless amount of hours on game on games, why not get something out of it? I mean, Adlunum has a similar premise. We are saying if you are engaging in Web 3 already, why not use that engagement that you already have and get rewarded for it. So we do have this inherent respect for people's time, people's attention. But at the same time, the industry is so focused just on the monetization aspect. And the problem is that every time as now where there's, for example, a bear market, everyone runs away and, you know, go focus their attention elsewhere because right now there's no quick, easy buck to be made. So what do you think in terms of this idea that before we were all, okay, play to earn and it was all about the earning, now this change, play and earn, which Kuakuma also, name, you name yourself a play and, play and earn game as well, 
what is this going to mean for the future of the game fire industry? Well, that's uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, and I would have to say that with you know the, with with the changes that that's happening right now, not just in 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 GameFi but Web three as a whole, is that I think it's more of striking a balance. And with with you know we mentioned about tokenomics, and that's I think with Axie, it's very tricky. Um, we see this with uh, dual token economies, or you know, we we with other tokens, even three or four tokens within the system or economies that games are creating, it's very tricky. And I think there has to be like a balance, not just only with the monetization aspect, but uh, more of what the players are getting in return as well. Um, so, like I would say, it's as soon as you like. I don't know how many times we've had to reiterate or um, revise our tokenomics as well because we had to also match the current market. We also have to... There, sometimes there's just loopholes, you know. Um, another person can actually spot this and I, I think that's also something that we're very grateful with. We're speaking to, you know, um, people over at CDFI who's very, you know, good when it comes to, you know, tokenomics expert with the advisors that we're getting from Pokestarter as well. It's just, we're getting a lot of amazing support from them. And um, it has helped us, you know, revise, reiterate on what we currently have, not just not just within the, the in-game tokenomics, uh, the design as well, but, you know, as the game as a whole, so that players will feel like they're fairly rewarded because sometimes, you know, I mean, with, with gacha games, players will continue to put in money as soon as they can see that they're getting something in return. Um, and that means despite market conditions, right? Because even at this time, we see people spending on games still, whether it gives them something in return or not. So I think that's more of like an emotional aspect, a psychological aspect that naturally that that, that gamers will get if they just feel like they're fairly being compensated. So um and that's why games will always have to go through updates, patches, you know, um, even new events. Um, they will always have to come up with new ways to engage the community. And once a game actually stops that, I think players would be would easily notice that. So um, I think we can even see that with a lot of games right now. Um, I just want to point out Kingdom Hearts. We have Final Fantasy. They are still big, you know, right now. Um, GTA. Uh, that's there. There are some games that are still being, you know, they're still alive. Back uh, probably 10, 20 years ago, that are still, I would say, not so relevant now. But at least they're still alive. They're not. They're not dead, or they're not out of the the scene yet. But uh, you know, that says a lot for for whoever's coming up with the ideas for the game. Not just events, not just the marketing, but basically to keep the users coming back. Um, I think that's also something that. With, with with Steam, like you know, you see hours, hours and hours being logged in by players. Be, gamers would even boast saying that they've put in probably more than a thousand hours just playing World of Warcraft alone. And that's you know that says a lot for the quality of the game. Um, for someone to invest that much time, not not just money, but but time as well, right? So, um, and with the current market right now, I think that's something that gaming projects will have to to see as a potential because you know 
if you're just going to be looking at monetization alone, if the market crashes, crashes, you'll lose your players, right? Because they'll just leave. As soon as they see that they're not getting their ROI, they're not getting the amount of money that, uh, you know, that they're putting in, they're just going to bail out, right? Um, they're just going to find what, what I think that's something that's seen in the industry now with, with, with Web3 games is that as soon as one game is doing well, they put in money. Once they see that it's about to tank, they liquidate their assets, transfer into another potential Web3 game that's looking good. Then you know I'm 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 not gonna say that you know that it's not happening, but it really is. Like I've seen this with Mirror Four. I've seen it with Pegaxi. After Axie was like having like a, a low period, they immediately jumped into another game, liquidated assets, moved into another. So they're just flipping their assets just just to get a quick buck and. It's not. It's not good for everyone in the space, actually. So I think it has to be a combined effort, and I think I'm seeing that more with the current scene of a lot of gaming projects right now. Um, just just even talking with them, finding co-marketing, um, you know, aspects of how we can help promote each other, how we can utilize our communities and create, you know, um, you know, more information about the Web3 space and about gaming because, you know, Kokuma is an MMO. There are also other games out there who have a different approach and they have a different genre of game and which is also good that we can introduce to, you know, our community as well because not all the time, like I said before, are they going to be interested in an MMO genre? I play different games. I play more, I pro- pro- play more, more than 10 games um, at a time. So I, I'm just that type of gamer. Some others might just play three games at a time. So I think it would vary. But it, it's it's really uncertain. But for sure, it's they really have to consider the, the gamers. Because, you know, with, without them, I think they won't have those sales. They won't have the lifeblood and the interaction of the community. Once you have that lawyer, loyal player base, I think monetization, the money will just follow. Yeah, beautiful way to end off that question. Um, and just to say, I thought I was a gamer baby, but after listening to you playing 10 games at a time, I realized I'm not even a gaming embryo. So I've played probably one game in my whole life. So I definitely have some <laughs> catching up to do. Maybe Kuakuma can help me do that. So Lance, I'm very mindful of time. Do you have a few minutes to spend extra? I would like to just quickly get through my two final questions and then do at least one question from the audience. Are you? Are we good to go for that or do you need to be somewhere sure. else? Okay, no, I'm awesome. good. Yeah. So um, we've been talking a lot about games specifically, but I want to zoom out a little bit to NFTs as a whole. What do you think, what are the future of NFT? What is the future of NFTs? And how is it going to evolve from what we've been seeing so far? Gaming is, of course, a huge uh, use case for NFTs because of the reasons that we've been talking about. But what is your personal view on the future of this, of this technology and the possibilities it has? Um, for, I think the future of NFTs, I would summarize it into three points. Number one is basically, first and foremost, the utility and what it has to offer whoever is purchasing the NFT or holding it. Uh, number two is, I think, what, one most recent thing that's actually happening, I'm not sure if it was with OpenSea, but royalties. Uh, this is more on the creative side for artists. So I think that's also changing a scene because I think it's also an additional part for every sale that is being made with the specific NFTs. Whoever, you know, whoever benefits from that sale 
is also gonna I think that's also gonna determine how NFTs are gonna be later on. So that's to the second point. And third, I think third and for basically just the ownership and bragging rights, I would say. Um to wrap it all up. So I think with these three uh, I'd say added pillars for the NFTs. It's gonna guide or mainly set the direction for what it is gonna be later on. Um, I think Mark Cuban. I just like to name one shark in the Shark Tank, you know, series who believes in crypto very much. Uh, I'm I'm also following a lot, you know, um, the talks not just with Elon Musk's takeover on Twitter, but you know, there's a lot of potential that's going on with uh, NFTs, and you know. It's there's negative, there's positive, but I think just give it time, and there should be something sensible that's gonna be happening later on. It's just that right now, you know, we may be skeptical about it. It's just, um, you know, they're 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 probably working on it, and you know, we need to understand what these implications are with the current market and how it's gonna play a role in specific pro- uh, specific projects, not just in 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 GameFi, but in, in Web three as a whole. Absolutely. And as we said earlier, curiosity leads to innovation. At the end of the day, NFTs are a technology and everything that we know about it are all just use cases. So who knows what is going to happen in future? We are definitely all going to be here watching and creating what is to come. So Lance, final question before I get into the Q&A. I see I have a list of questions already. But audience, if you have a burning desire to ask Lance a question, do speak, uh, do put in a speaker request. So Lance, final question, what is your philosophy about Web3 changing lives? I think it's mainly giving everyone an equal opportunity to have a seat at the table. Um, despite your background, despite where you are right now, um, I think we have seen that with a lot of creators, not just only for artists, I would like to point out, because I think with creatives right now, with Web3, um, I see that a lot of people, especially those animators, artists, are being fairly compensated or even more. Um, you know, they weren't in the radar in the first place. And I would also like to mention developers who are behind the scenes uh, working on the blockchain, you know, the systems. These are some things that we don't really notice. Um, you, you mentioned about curiosity, and I think that's what I would also like to point out. My views and opinions may not be, you know, in line with some people out there, and I'm okay with that. And you know, I, I, I don't claim that I know everything about NFTs. And you know, I think this is also the great thing about these spaces is that, as I share my ideas, I think you, I'm really open to, you know, receiving. Um, some other point of views out there because, you know, it helps open up a new world of possibilities. And I think these amazing ideas, actually, it's it's funny because I was just talking to a friend um, just a few hours back and he started um, his business, his digital marketing agency, just because he was just talking with a friend. They were coming up with ideas and, you know, something might just start there. You know, you get crazy ideas when you're having these, you know, meaningful conversations with others and, you know, who knows what might come up. But, but yeah. Yeah, beautiful. You know, I asked you earlier about what innovations there are in NFTs, and I love your answer where you focused on education and on onboarding, because I think this is really the key to all of this, is we have curiosity on the one end, 
and we have these pioneers, we have people going out there, as you mentioned, you know, giving a shout out to the developers, which very few of us in the space actually talk about because we are looking at what's in the window. You know, if you go window shopping and you see all of these amazing things being sold there, but not giving a thought to people who put those things there in the first place. So we have all of this innovation and the building happening in the space. But unless, as you say, we have conversations like this, unless we put in the time to educate people and ourselves at the, at the same time, I really was yeah, just so happy at the way you approach the questions in the sense that you would say, well, we don't have that figured out yet and we are still working on this and, you know, this changes all the time. And this, I think, is the kind of honesty and transparency that we need in this space because we all come from industries where you only see what's in the window. You go window shopping and all the nice stuff is displayed out front, but who knows what's happening in the back. And I think in this industry, apart from this, as you say, just really, really beautiful opportunity to give everyone a seat at the table, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, but also to have this honesty and transparency and authenticity to say, look, guys, we are all in this together. We are all figuring it out. You are coming on the journey with me, but I'm not quite sure I'm doing this the right way. This is, yeah, I think one of the most privileged things about being in this space but on that note, especially because today's topic was asked for by the audience, I want to make sure that I get at least one question in. So let me quickly see. I'm just going to scroll down and see which question catches my eye first. Um, all right. So gaming sounds simple as a player, but when you speak about it, there are many points to consider. What, according to you, makes a great game? Thanks, Jill. So I'm not sure if this refers to Web3 games or just games in general, but Lance, as someone who's building, part of the team that's building a game, what makes a great game? Yeah, that, that's actually a good question. And uh, thank you so much, whoever asked that question. I, I would say it's not just only one answer because like you said, there's just a lot to consider. But I think for um, if I would not answer this for, let's just say that I'm not a gamer and if I were to just be introduced to a new game, um, it would vary depending on the type of person you are. Because, of course, you know, we have introverts, we have extroverts, we have people who prefer probably they like, you know, fighting scenes. Others would like to follow the storyline. So I think that that is on a case-to-case -case basis. But I, I would say that for me, I would also look at into the, the, the fighting mechanics because I'm more of a competitive player. So in terms of strategy, how are the skills being implemented? If this, since we're also looking to target esports for Koakuma, I'm going to be looking at how fair the system is, how the leaderboards are going to be computed. And that's how I would determine if, if, if the, that game is something of quality for me. Um, and I would also relate this to something that's not in Web3, which is League of Legends. So League of Legends, I actually followed it ever since you know I was probably in grade school all the way up to now. And it has changed a lot, not just in graphics, not just with the amount of characters that are playable, but you know with the systems, how each character is, you know, using a, a percentage skill, they always have to update that and make it in a way that it is balanced. Because once players start to feel like 
it's a pay to win it's it's imbalanced because of the skill of this specific character that's when you know you start losing players you, you players lose interest because they feel that they're being cheated right um so i think it's it would vary but it's very important to consider like the games uh system like skills skills combat how the game is being played but it would vary depending on the genre so let's say if it's more of um of let's say an action or an fps type of game like counter strike that's also going to be a different thing that you're going to be considering maybe it's it's like valorant as well i don't know if guns are going to be critical there because that's one of the equipments that are mostly used so for that specific type of gamer it's also going to be something that's going to tick differently for them as opposed to an mmo genre so i hope i hope that answers your question it's it's quite general or vague but <laughs> yeah thanks lance and then i have one more question that i'm quickly going to sneak in uh i have here a question about uh your game itself what are the benefits that lords owning land will have would they earn nfts or tokens yes so about that right now um as i mentioned it's still in the works but for lords uh, they will be taxing the residents. So those the taxes is, is what the Lord will be earning. And this is something that will be used to develop each land. And there will be tokens also involved. There is no specific amount to that yet because we're also actually working on a guild system. Uh, and we've partnered with um, Infinity Force for the guild management system. So they're also one of our partners who will be helping us create that guild management system for us. So... Um, and, and with that being mentioned, we are also looking at different guilds because different guilds will be able to have different banners, different colors, different logos that will set each guild apart and each land apart. So I think this is going to be more on cosmetics that will give, you know, like I think a colorful and unique approach for each type of land and guild. But that's, that's going to be uh, how it is for now. All right. Well, awesome. Exciting stuff coming up. But unfortunately, another hour plus 10 minutes have come and gone. So, Lon, thank you so much for the perspectives and the insights you shared with us today. I really look forward to seeing what's to come for Kuakuma. How can listeners stay up to date with what it is you're building? Yes, um, thank you again, Naja. Uh, thank you for having us over. And I would recommend that you guys join our Discord follow us on twitter uh make sure you tick the notification bell as well uh we have our articles on medium as well regarding specifics on nfts uh, game releases and other things for the mechanics for nfts and what their um you know uh roles and benefits are so i suggest you follow us on medium as well and yeah thank you so much guys for tuning in um apologies on the uh, plus 11 minutes now um Naja, you mentioned about respecting time. I really respect your guys' time. Thank you for being here, for listening to me, for for you know for um, having uh, me over and talking about Koakuma. Lance, thank you so much, and especially for taking time out of your end of day to come talk to us. It's been absolutely loving, lovely having you on, and of course to our favorite community in the whole world, wide world at Lunamites. We love you. Thank you for always gifting us an hour of your time, plus 11 minutes. We hope that you enjoy spending it with our amazing guests each week because we simply love being here with you. 
So until next time, catch you again next week for another episode of the Future of NFTs brought to you by Adlunum. Cheers, guys. And Lance, please go to bed. It's late and you have dropped so many nuggets of wisdom today that your brain needs to rest. So I'll catch you soon. <laughs> Thank you, Naja. Have a good one. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Cheers, Take care. You've been listening to The Future of NFTs. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform like Spotify or iTunes. Connect with Adlunum on Twitter at Adlunum Inc. or our website, adlunum.cc.